My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 191 of The Kate Show. And this episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. If you are looking for a streamlined, automated client process to uplevel your business, look no further. HoneyBook can automate your client bookings, questionnaires, contracts, emails that you find yourself constantly typing and retyping, and it can also send out invoices. So go to honeybook.com and enter the code socialite to receive 50% off your first year. This is really amazing, guys. I actually transitioned to HoneyBook recently. I was using Dubsado, no offense to them, but HoneyBook is just so darn easy and it's beautiful and I can really do a good job of fine-tuning my own client workflow for the custom projects that we do, like website design, and it's been amazing. I'm super happy about it. Now, aside from that, let's get into the topic of the day. This is the last podcast episode of 2021, and show of hands, who else is ready to be done with this year? (laughs) As I plan for 2022, I have had to remind myself that trying to map out every detail and every quote-unquote right move is pretty much impossible, and as a chronic overthinker, it's not easy for me to accept that. Life threw many surprises at us home industry entrepreneurs in 2021, and like we're not even going to talk about 2020 anymore. Like, goodbye to that year. It is dead to me. Now, some surprises were good and some were bad and some just left us all asking, um, what? (laughs) Now, on the bright side, I have a happy little surprise of my own to share with you all. And while it won't impact the way my company serves you in 2022, it is definitely requiring me to adjust a few things in my own professional life because we are having baby number two. Our baby boy will be here in June of 2022, and I have visions of rustic hunting-themed nurseries dancing in my head. Very excited about it. My daughter, Sadie, who is almost two and a half, is very excited about her baby brother. My husband, Matt, is already outlining what is and isn't considered good enough for his son. (laughs) Oh boy, here we go. He's going to look at expensive strollers again. He also expressed whether it's possible to love another little kid as much as we love our firstborn. So to all you moms and dads of multiples, does your heart just get bigger when you have another baby? I mean, at what point does your heart just explode? Because, I mean, I've heard that you just love all your kids equally. It just happens naturally. But of course, having only one child out in the world at the moment, I'm like, I don't know how I could ever love another human being as much as I love her. So I don't know. That's my my sappy mom moment, but I digress. Today's episode isn't about the maternity mayhem that's about to take over my household. Today, I'm talking about something just as unpredictable, though. Clients. Dun, dun, dun. Can you spot a bad client a mile away? For years, I struggled with this, and I still occasionally let one slip through. After assessing my own misjudgments, aka late-night worrying about how on earth I got my team into such a predicament, And after speaking with many of you who have generously shared your nightmare client stories, I thought it was worth an episode on the podcast. So if you're new to the home industry, or if you just keep working with PITA clients, that's pain in the ass clients, in case you're wondering, you might be relieved to know there are clear red flags and even some yellow caution flags that should alert you to proceed with caution or simply end the interaction. So let's talk about them. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. 
My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. So I'm not directly part of the home industry, but because my agency works exclusively with home industry pros like you, I feel like I've kind of been adopted into the family. So thanks for that, guys. Now, regardless, you and I have something else in common, too. We are both creative entrepreneurs. Similar industry, similar struggles. And a lot of the warning signs I'm about to talk about have been experienced by me, by my friends in the business, and by a lot of designers and stagers and professional organizers and workrooms. So we're all in this together. You might recognize a few of your own nightmare situations in these. And, you know, it's a learning experience. Sometimes we have to go through that just to know what to avoid in the future. And what I'm about to share is by no means a comprehensive list. So if I left out a major red flag that you experienced, please let me know. You could email me, you could DM me, you can leave a comment on social media, because I can do a follow-up episode on your red flag and I could mention your name, I could mention your website if you're comfortable with those things, because we all need to learn from each other to avoid making the same mistakes. So let's go through 10 of the red flags that you should look at to consider not even working with a client. Like don't even get them to sign your agreement, just stop and run. Number one, they gush over you in the beginning when they first contact you, but they're slow to take any real action towards signing your agreements or paying your fees. These people are emotionally driven and they'll tell you you're the best thing ever, But then when you're like, all right, well, let's um, put our nose to the grindstone here and make it happen, they're like, oh, well, I, um, mm, mm," and they come up with all sorts of weird excuses. It's really odd, but it just shows that they're living in a little bit of a fairy tale land. They don't actually want to make it happen. They just like the idea of it happening. So who knows? People are weird. Number two. They demand that you open up a place in your busy schedule so they can talk to you sooner because they, quote unquote, want to get started as soon as possible. If anyone approaches you acting like their project is an emergency, that is a huge red flag. Nobody's project is an emergency. I don't care if their house is a disorganized mess. I don't care if their kitchen is from the 1950s. It's not actually an emergency. Number three, they blatantly aren't willing to follow your onboarding process, or even subtly, they're just like constantly trying to get around it. They won't complete your questionnaire, they won't book a call with you, they won't sign your agreement, just basic onboarding things. If they can't follow your process now, they sure as heck won't be following your process once you're actually in a project with them. Number four, they beg for exceptions to your workflow or your payment structure, claiming personal difficulties. Oh, well, it takes too long for me to read through your contract. Can you just summarize it and then we'll just kind of use it as a guide? No. Oh, it takes too long for me to complete your questionnaire. It doesn't really fit my project. Can we just skip it? No. (laughs) These people can come up with some pretty creative excuses, but do not let yourself get sucked in. Now, You will have the wherewithal to know whether something is completely legitimate and maybe your process does need to be modified, especially if you have multiple people saying the same thing. But that's something that you have to really assess for yourself and don't change your process at the drop of a hat just because one client told you one time they didn't like one part of it. 
Number five, they try to get free advice from you during your discovery call. Guys, the discovery call is not for giving advice. It's for seeing if the entire situation will be a good fit. So that means you'll be asking questions. If they are asking you all the questions, that's a problem. You should be asking them, what's your budget? What's your timeline? What is your vision? So that you can then tell them, yes, we look like we're going to be a good fit or no, we're not. Number six, the potential client asks whether you offer discounts, sales, or promotions. That's a problem. That shows they are focused so much on the dollar, not so much on the end result. And that is going to haunt you throughout the entire project. Number seven is kind of a branch off of that. They might ask to see your trade pricing so they can haggle with you. Ugh, what a nightmare. These people don't understand that product markups are how you make your money in this industry, not just your organizing fee, your design fee, your staging fee. And they need to respect you enough as a professional not to ask for those invoices. I mean, when we go to the dentist, do we ask to see the invoice on the products they're using on our teeth? No, we respect that the dental industry is well established, just like the home industry, <clears throat> and we just don't ask those questions. We just pay the bill and say thank you. Okay, there is absolutely no reason why the home industry shouldn't be treated with the same level of respect, but the problem is there are a lot of home professionals who don't demand that respect, and some of them who aren't worthy of it, like just being honest, and that's true of my own industry as well. We have got to raise the bar for ourselves so that our colleagues get treated better, so that future people in our industry are treated better, and so that we are treated better right now. Number eight, they trash talk the last home pro they hired. Oh, that professional organizer just didn't get it. She made my home worse. Oh, that interior designer didn't listen to me at all. Oh my goodness, the whole thing was just awful. Okay, if someone's going on and on about how awful the last person was, just know that in a few months' time, you're going to be the next person they're trash-talking. It's just a fact. Number nine, they want to do part of the work themselves to save money. Oh, well, my husband does some carpentry on the side so he can install the cabinets. <laughs> no. Because if something goes wrong, it will still fall back on you. You have to have very clear boundaries about this is not a hybrid situation where I do some and you do some. Now, maybe they need to just hire you for a consultation. Sounds like that might be better. Number 10, they ask for your professional opinion and then they argue with you or try to counteract everything you say. I have had people do this with me on the phone, guys. Like, people will get on my schedule for a phone call. They'll wait literally weeks to talk to me and then... We'll start talking about their marketing, and I will start explaining what they need to do, and they argue with me. I'm like, okay, why did you want this call again? Sounds like you have it all figured out. And I know that situation is not unique to marketing agencies like mine. I know that happens a lot, especially to designers, when you've got Susie Homeowner, who always wanted to be a designer, but she never took the steps toward becoming one but she still thinks she's one and she's got so many ideas and she doesn't like your ideas. And then you start to wonder, why am I here? Why are we talking? Why don't you do this yourself? So those are all really big red flags that you should not ignore. This episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by Socialite Vault. Did you guys know we give away free marketing templates in the vault? 
That's right, you don't have to be a member to test drive these templates. Just go to socialitevault.com and click on the freebies tab. These templates are specific to designers, stagers, workrooms, and organizers. They're beautiful and easy to edit in Canva. Go to socialitevault.com to grab your templates now. Now, what if you have hired a client that seemed good at first, but then they morphed into a bad dream during the project? Ugh, well, I've been there. (laughs) First, make sure you've fulfilled all aspects of your contract with them or see if your contract allows you to end the relationship legally before the project is actually ended. By the way, if you don't have a termination clause in your contract, ooh, you are in for a world of hurt. Now, if the client or the project is particularly flammable, consider consulting with a contract lawyer before taking the next step. Believe me, it's worth it. I've had to do this before. You just call up the lawyer that you trust, you explain the situation, you show him or her your contract, and they can advise you on how to best navigate this. Firing a client is not the unicorns and rainbows side of business, but it's also quite necessary because it protects your team, it preserves your sanity, and it frees you up to serve better and more profitable clients. So you should consider firing your existing client if they meet any of these 10 qualifications I'm about to read off to you. Number one, they won't follow your project workflow, claiming they or their project are quote-unquote too unique for your internal systems. So maybe they followed your onboarding, but when it came to their project, they just wanna go like AWOL, they just wanna go rogue. Number two, they second guess themselves and ask for the opinions of too many other people. Not you, of course, just maybe other home professionals, maybe their cousin's an interior designer, maybe their sister's an organizer, they ask their mother-in-law, they ask their best friend, you get the picture. It's a nightmare, too many cooks in the freaking kitchen. Number three, they question your ability and then they spend hours doing their own research, quote unquote, on various aspects of the project. They may or may not expect a discount after that. (laughs) I spent six hours, so I want you to reduce your invoice by six hours. Oh, heck no. That's crazy talk. Number four, they ask you to do things that are unethical or that would reflect badly on your brand. Now, the unethical stuff, that should make everyone stop and be like, whoa, what is this? Goodbye. The things that would reflect badly on your brand might be like if they're asking you to do something that is just plain tacky, like you don't want your name or your brand name associated with that project because it just looks so bad. This is something that I have run into as well, and there are times when I will make sure my brand doesn't appear on anything because the client will take it so far that at some point we're just taking orders from them. They're no longer listening to the best practices that we're sharing with them. And to the point where their project just looks terrible, like it just morphs into something else, but they're happy with it. And that's where my team and I have to have that tough conversation amongst ourselves of, do we give them what they want or do they, do we give them what they need? And that's something that I know a lot of you also struggle with when you have a client who thinks they know what they want but what they want won't function well, or it won't look good, or it's gonna be dated really quickly. That's something that if you can have a conversation with your client, great, but sometimes these clients have such tunnel vision that you just can't. And that is when it might be best to just step away from the project entirely. Number five, the client is rude, or passive aggressive, or clingy, 
overly emotional about everything via email or phone or in-person interactions. I know that a lot of you, especially designers, end up becoming a friend, even a, a counselor, to which many of you roll your eyes, to your clients, and you kind of shouldn't be. Like, that's really not the purpose of your job, but take that to whatever length you're comfortable with. Maybe you like being the shoulder they lean on. Maybe you don't like it. Make it clear. And if someone is getting too clingy or they're verbally abusing you, you have every right to end that interaction and to end the project. Number six, they expect you to respond to their phone calls or emails on weekends or after hours, and they get upset if you don't, even though you've clearly communicated your boundaries. Now that's the key part here. Did you clearly tell them, I don't respond to text or email or phone after this time every workday, and I don't respond on weekends? If you told them that, then it's on them. They need to just calm down. But if you didn't tell them, well, you need to tell them. Number seven, they question your invoices and they require a magnifying glass to scrutinize them properly. They might pass it off to their spouse who then gets angry and contacts you like, why does this cost so much? Oof, that's just a tough situation. But this is where you do not bend because if you bend, they will break you. You have to stand by your invoice and you have to just be tough about it. I know it's hard. <laughs> People get weird when it comes to money, but the right client won't get weird when it comes to money. Number eight, they are consistently late with making payments. Now, you should invoice them for all the work and all the product done to date, and then step away. Because if they are making late payments, or if they're holding you hostage saying, until you do this thing that I want you to do that's not covered in our contract, I will not pay your last invoice. Guys, I have had clients do this to my agency before. Believe me, it is worthwhile to say adios to that person. And if you have to uh, send their invoice to a debt collector, then so be it. Again, been there. Um, in the the almost eight years that my agency's been in business, we have seen a lot of crazy things and also a lot of good things. Like 99% of our clients are incredible, but of course it's like that 1% of crazies that I'm thinking about today because I know a lot of you have dealt with the same or similar situations. Number nine, they blame you when things go wrong, even if you warned them. This is just crazy talk because when people start gaslighting you, into thinking that their mistake is your fault, that's a problem. That's a problem in your personal life. That's a problem in your professional life. It's not okay in business. And a lot of business owners take a lot of abuse because they think somehow it's just the way business is and they just have to be tough and get through it. That's actually not how business is supposed to be. If you wouldn't let it happen in your personal life, why on earth are you letting it happen in your professional life? Because your professional life is so ingrained with your personal life that it will start to hurt you personally if you let people hurt you. Number 10, they expect immediate turnaround even though you clearly communicated the typical timeline of events. Now again, the key part here clearly communicated the typical timeline of events. If you didn't tell someone what to expect, they're going to make their own assumptions. But if you did tell them and you made it very clear, you've even had multiple conversations about it and they still expect immediate results, it's a problem with them, not with you. And this could snowball into a bigger issue. Maybe even the blame game. Maybe they lawyer up because they're like, you're not doing what you promised. <sighs> that's, of course, worst case scenario, guys. But just know that that's a warning sign. 
Now, knowing that you don't want to work with someone is one thing, but breaking the news to them is quite another. And while I don't have the perfect answer, I do have two different email scripts that I've used. You're welcome to use them, modify them, but please know that you know I'm not a lawyer and you need to just do whatever is best for your business because I can't tell you what is best for your business. I can only share what I've done in mine. So here's my email script for telling a potential client that you don't want to work for them. Hi, potential client. Thanks for reaching out. Your project sounds lovely and I appreciate that you thought of me. However, at the moment, I'm not the ideal person to best serve you. Please check out my colleague and then share their web address and then end with, I wish you all the best with your project. Sincerely, your name. Short and sweet. You don't want to make these emails long because it gives them more opportunity to be misinterpreted, to be used against you, to get weird. Now here's the email script for telling an existing client that you need to end the relationship. This is, of course, going to be a bit more of a dramatic situation by nature, but it doesn't have to be. Here's how it goes. Hi, client. At this point in our working relationship, it's become clear that I'm no longer the best suited professional to meet your needs. I want only the best for you and your project, and I appreciate the work we've done thus far together. According to our contract, and then quote your termination clause, I'm enacting this clause effective today, and then add today's date. Your final invoice will arrive shortly. Thank you for being a client of your business name. Please let me know if you have any questions. Sincerely, your name. Now, it's up to you whether you want to refer this bad client to someone else. I don't normally refer difficult clients to my colleagues because I don't want to put anyone else through the hell that my team and I would have just experienced. And so you just got to make that choice for yourself. Now, rest assured that particular client will find someone else. And who knows? Maybe they'll find someone who's a really good fit for them. But you might be wondering at this point, avoiding clients, firing clients, is that a bad business move? And you also might be thinking, Kate, I can't afford to fire this client. They're slowly killing me, but I need the money. If that's you, I want you to just close your eyes and picture me giving you a big hug and a glass of wine. I've been there too. While you might have to stick it out with a bad client for your own financial reasons, you should still commit to some boundaries. Let that client know what you will and will not be doing for them. Let them know when you will and will not be responding to their communications. Let them know what's happening next in their project and exactly what you're going to be doing about it. Say no to the requests that fall outside your contract or explain that you'll do it for them as long as they understand they'll be billed additionally for that extracurricular work. Going forward, remember, this bad client can destroy a business, not grow it. A bad client can take over your life, leaving you no time to market yourself to the great clients and a little time to work on your other projects. A bad client can wreck your internal systems, make you question your worth, create strife within your family, and literally cost you money. Is avoiding or firing a bad client a bad business move? Heck no. The ability to stay away from the crazies is a muscle that gets stronger with use. Bad clients can spot a desperate entrepreneur faster than a vulture spots a rodent. Good clients can respect a business owner with clear boundaries, good processes, and great communication skills. For every bad client, there are a handful of good clients who need you to show up as your best self. Running a business is not for the faint of heart, and I know you can do this. Now, guys, again, if I've left out any red flags or warning signs, please DM me on Instagram at Kate the Socialite and let me know. By the way, if you liked the email scripts I shared in this episode, I've got literally hundreds more, maybe thousands at this point, 
I should probably count. <laughs> Head over to socialitevault.com to check out those. And until next time, keep your marketing simple, your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.